been interpreting the Bible, both for rabbis and for Christians, you realize that there's something very profound going on here. And the reality is, is that sometimes in prayer, sometimes we have to wrestle with God. We don't like to think about it that way, do we? See, you have to think about it as a parent would, because God gave us the ability to be parents. And even if you don't have kids, you can imagine that sometimes you don't make it easy for your children. Not because you don't love them, but you don't make it easy for them because you love them. God wants to change your reality, but sometimes it takes a wrestling match to make it happen. That's exactly what happened to Jacob when he wrestled with a man for a night and was defeated. As Pastor Daniel will show us, though, at the end of the day, Jacob has a new name. He's changed. Some circumstances will change you forever, but God gives you a new name. Now here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Genesis, chapter 32, verse 13, with his continuing study entitled, The Reunion. For some of you, you know, you're like, Jesus said that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You could say, but Lord, I feel weighed down with cares. I have such concern. Lord, will you let your peace that surpasses all understanding guard my heart and mind right now? Sometimes when we can't formulate the prayers of the things that we think we need, we should say, just Lord, I'm just going to pray your word. And this is why memorizing scripture is so important. Because once you memorize scripture, all of a sudden it just starts popping out of you. Now, people might say, well, you know, Pastor Daniel, memorizing Scripture is really hard. No, no, listen. This is how you memorize Scripture. You take an index card. You write one Scripture on the front and one on the back. And you stick it in your pocket. And when you're sitting at the coffee shop line, rather than just, you know, scrolling through your phone, Facebooking it, then you take out your little card and you get your face in the book, the Bible. And just read it. Read it. And flip it over and read it. And then later on, when you're sitting waiting for the microwave to pop out your favorite microwavable meal, just read it. And read the other side. And I guarantee you, within two or three days, those two scriptures, you'll have it memorized. And then you know what you do? You make a new card with two more scriptures. And two more scriptures. And then you start feeling a little bit confident. And then you start putting four scriptures on it. And before you know it, a couple months later, you got all these verses that you could just pop out in a moment of need. Like, like if you're somebody who just struggles, man, I don't know if God loves me, just, just pull it on out. I have loved you with an everlasting love. And every time you start saying, Lord, I can't believe you love me, then all of a sudden that verse pops up like a, like a pop-up window on your brain's browser. I have loved you with an everlasting love, and now all of a sudden your thoughts and then God's heart for you, then you have to choose one. And although you want to choose what comes naturally, which is, I don't know if God really loves me, all of a sudden the word of God just goes. And you realize that God's word, that's pop-up, that's the right browser to be looking at. And that other stuff, that's the junk mail. See, 
When we know God's word, when we've taken God's word and placed it in our hearts that we won't sin against him, then they begin to fight on our behalf. Remember the, uh, the armor of God? What's our one offensive weapon? The sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. And of course, prayer is our offensive as well, because he goes on to talk about praying. But the one piece of armor that is our offensive is the word, the sword. And we should be skilled with the sword. We should be skilled with it. We should know it. We should say, God, I want to place it in my heart. And now I know some, and I get this from guys a lot. You know, I just can't, I just can't remember scripture. But then you ask about their favorite sports team. They know every guy. They know every rookie year, every number. Oh, yeah, last year he had 46 home runs. And, but the year before that he was hurt. He was on the DL for like 13 weeks. And, you know, and they have every fact. And you're like, what? You, so you can remember your favorite baseball. I mean, you guys don't have anybody in the Mariners who have 46 home runs. But I'm a Yankee fan, so I got a lot of those guys. <laughs> Woo! Just wanted to make sure everyone was awake. Verse 13. Brothers and sisters, pray based on God's character and based on his word. When, when things are wrong, pray based on God's character. God, you're a good God. You're a gracious God. You're a wise God. You know what you're doing. And Lord, your word tells me this. Your word tells me that I'm your child. Your word tells me that even though I fail and my heart condemns me, you're greater than my heart. And Lord, when Jesus was on that cross, he said, it is finished. And Lord, it is finished. You bought me back from my bondage and you made me your child. You adopted me into your family. And God, let that mold the way I think, the way I feel. And let's put God's word in our hearts. We should memorize God's word. Place it deep in our heart as the psalmist wrote that we might not sin against him. Now it's interesting because Jacob prays, right? And then right away, he goes back into kind of planning mode. And George Mueller, who is, if you know anything about George Mueller, who is a great man of faith, he was once asked what the most important part of prayer was. And he replied, the 15 minutes after I have said amen. Think about that. The mo he said the most important part of prayer is the 15 minutes after I said amen, because what happens for most of us in prayer is we cast our cares upon the Lord and we trust him and then we have to go out into real life. And it's almost like, yeah, I gave him all my cares, but right as I said amen, I took them all back again. How many of you guys know what that's like? I know what that's like. Where you're like, you're like, Lord, you're God, you got this. And you say amen and then right away something happens and we lose it. So George, it's, it's wisdom here because Jacob Praise God, you promised that you were going to protect me. You're going to bring me back. You're going to do well by me. But then look what happens in verse 13. So he lodged there that same night and took what came to his hand as a present for Esau, his brother. 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their colts, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 foals. Or from New Jersey, we say fowls, but I know you guys don't say it that way here. Then he delivered them 
to the hand of his servants, every drove by itself and said to his servants, pass over before me and put some distance between successive droves. And he commanded the first one saying, when Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you saying, to whom do you belong and where are you going? Whose are these in front of you? Then you shall say, they are your servant Jacob's. It is a present sent to my Lord Esau, and behold, he is also behind us. And he had commanded the second and the third, and all who followed the drove, saying, In this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And also say, Behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me, and afterward I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present went on over before him, but he himself lodged that night in the camp. So Jacob decides, look, I just prayed. I'm trying to trust in God. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to give all these gifts to my brother Esau. So he said he's going to set them up in droves. Overall, if you you count them all up, you get 550 heads of cattle. That's a pretty big gift in that culture. Cattle was the currency that people had. So this would be like saying you want to appease somebody and you're giving them half of your net worth. That's what he's doing here. And he's sending them over in droves so that when Esau, who are you and where are you from and what are these? They say, look, I'm with Jacob and these are gifts for you. So he's doing all these things to try and appease Esau. He doesn't know what's going to happen. And he's sending them in droves because he doesn't know what's going to happen. Now, notice what it says at the end of verse 21. But he himself lodged that night in the camp. Now in verse 22, then he arose that night and took his two wives his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. So look at what happens. He takes, we get a recap, all of his family, his two wives, the two female servants, which he also had children with, and his 11 sons. So he got his four wives and his 11 children and they pass over. And then in verse 24, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, which means the face of God. For I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. Now, this is one of the most confusing sections in Scripture. Because if you really think about what's going on, Jacob is alone by the river Jabbok, and a man shows up. That's all it says. Man. Simple word, ish. One of the simplest Hebrew words. This man shows up and Jacob and this man start grappling. They start wrestling. So if you were watching the Olympics at all, you have a good idea of what wrestling looks like. Hand to hand, very close combat. It doesn't tell us anything about 
this man other than this man wrestled with him until the breaking of day, which means this wasn't like a quick wrestling match. This was a long, drawn-out match. Now, what's fascinating about this is that it's such a crazy verse because it's so simple. They don't really tell us anything about it. All we know is that they were wrestling. It's all we know. And notice it says that when he saw that he did not prevail, speaking of this man against him, he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. So as they're wrestling, this man touches Jacob's hip socket. Now all of a sudden his hip socket goes out of joint. And the man says, let me go as the day breaks. And Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, as long as people have been interpreting the Bible, both for rabbis and for Christians, you realize that there's something very profound going on here. And the reality is, is that sometimes in prayer, sometimes we have to wrestle with God. We don't like to think about it that way, do we? See, you have to think about it as a parent would. Because God gave us the ability to be parents. And even if you don't have kids, you can imagine that sometimes you don't make it easy for your children. Not because you don't love them, but you don't make it easy for them because you love them. Like, I remember my dad. I remember growing up, my dad was one of those dads that said, look, no one's going to give you anything in life. And I mean, he didn't, my dad didn't really doesn't walk with the Lord. And so he wouldn't say that, you know, you get grace for free. So he didn't understand that. But he pretty much said, look, no one's going to give you anything in life. So if you want to drive a car, you better get a job. And I said, okay, and I got a job. And I started working for a job. And I ended up buying a very cool 1973 orange VW Carmen It was very cool. But it was interesting because, you know, if, if my friend was eating uh, a hamburger in my car and left a wrapper, that wrapper wasn't hanging out in the car for very long. Because it was my car. He made me work for it. And I had another friend. His parents bought him a brand new car. And I remember one day I was sitting in his back seat and there was a piece of gum shoved in the side of the seat. And I'm like, hey man, you got some gum in your seat. He's like, yeah, I know. I'm waiting for the person who put it there to remove it. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, dude, that's your car. But the difference was, is that I had to work for my car. And I cared about my car. My buddy didn't have to work for it. He didn't really care about it. I remember when that happened, I started thinking back on it as I've gotten older. I'm like, you know, my dad made it hard on me, but it was good for me. See, good parenting is not giving your children everything they want right as they want it. It's about helping them grow. And sometimes things are hard. Like my son Obadiah, I love him. He's seven. Obadiah likes things. Obadiah is one day like, man, I want to get Star Wars Legos. Next day, I want a Nerf gun arsenal. Because, you know, the little dudes in Nerf guns, I mean, you can't go wrong with that. But every day it's something new. And everybody says, hey, Dad, can you buy me a Nerf gun rifle? And I'm like, well, you better save your money. You always say that, Dad. I'm like, yeah, because you're gonna, you have to learn how to save. And you have to learn how to make good decisions with your money. I could make it easy for him. Just be like, okay. Give him everything he wants. And that, we all know that those wants never end for any of us. Not just children. So sometimes a good parent makes a child work for something because they know that when you work for it, it will be more meaningful. And sometimes God in our prayers makes us work for it because he knows if we just say, oh Lord, can I have this? And it just pops up. We'll just think God's a vending machine, right? 
But something glorious happens when we are wrestling with God about something. Something is amazing that happens in our hearts when we don't understand something and God makes us work for it. Because think about your, your walk with the Lord. The things that you learn that are the most meaningful to you are what? Are the things that were hard to learn, right? Not the quick fixes. But the things that because of life and circumstances, the things that take time, that take energy, the things that make life meaningful are the hardest things. Not the things that come quickly or easily. And we learn from Jacob because Jacob is getting mangled. I mean, his hip is out of joint. And he's like, I won't let you go until you bless me. When was the last time we prayed that way? God, I am not going to let go until you take care of this. Till your blessing is upon my life. Till I have appropriated from your heart to my experience. Again, it speaks to that fervency in prayer. It's fascinating you realize that God intentionally hurt Jacob. God intentionally hurt Jacob. Because sometimes the wounds of a friend are the most faithful. Think about this. Jacob won't let go. The day is breaking. You know, uh, one commentator called this event the magnificent defeat. Ultimately, Jacob is defeated, but it's awesome what goes on here. Because what goes on? Look at this. In verse 27. So he said to them, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. Huh. That name Israel means prince of God or governed by God. So Jacob is wrestling with this man. And some people would say it's the incarnate Lord, it's Jesus. They call it a theophany or a Christophany. I'm not really so sure. It doesn't say it's Jesus. So I'm, I'm a little hesitant to say, yeah, it's Jesus. But the reality is, is that Jacob is defeated, but he gets a name change. He used to be this schemer. That's what it means, heel catcher, Jacob. But now he changes his name to mean prince of God or governed by God. So how cool is this? Jacob wrestled with God. He walks away with a limp, but he gets a new name, a new reality. See, this is what God really wants for us. God wants to change our realities. To give us a new way to view the world. to A new way to deal with ourselves and the world around us. And sometimes that only comes when we end up with a limp. And so Jacob, he ends up renaming this place, call it Peniel, the face of God. He said, I saw God face to face. And then it goes on and it says here that, that Jacob ended up walking with a limp. And to this day, that's the end of verse 31. And to this day, the day it was written maybe around the time of Moses or potentially later, it says that the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. And so the reality is, is that no longer do Orthodox Jews eat the tendon on the hindquarters of an animal. That's part of the, the kosher law. Because of this happening. I want you just to put that in your mind for a second. 
that Jacob wrestled with God. He ended up limping, but he got a new name, a new way to view his own reality. You know, I was just talking with someone this week, tough situation. I said, you know, I said, in the end of the day, you're going to walk out of this with a limp. This situation that you're going through, you're going to end up with a limp. It's going to change you. And I'm like, but the reality is, is God didn't just give Jacob a limp. He gave him a new name as well. And for some of us, we have to be okay with that. That some circumstances are just going to change you for the rest of your life. I remember for me, when I was a young man, before I was a Christian, my mother's death. I knew. I talked to a friend who was a Christian. I said, I don't know much, but what I do know is that how I deal with this is going to change me for the rest of my life. And I lost my mom when I was 21. And that gave me a limp. The only person in the world that I could really, that really hurt. I mean, my mom, you know, I was a young man. I ended up with a limp, but God gave me a new name too. And that, and that's, that is the difference between the way Christians view hard times and the way non-Christians do. Because as Christians, we hope against hope. We know that there is a good God who is at work. And yes, I may end up with a limp, but God is going to change my name. And people who don't believe in Jesus, they don't have that hope. There's nowhere to find that hope. You can't hope in the universe. I have lots of friends who say that. Oh, I just trust that the universe will do good by me. I'm like, what hope is there in the universe? Look, read Walden by Thoreau. He talks about nature, how violent nature is. See, we trust in a good God. A God who is good and does good. So it's amazing. Jacob is expecting one meeting and he gets another meeting. He's expecting to meet his brother Esau and he ends up in a wrestling match all night. Now, in chapter 33, verse 1. Now, Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and there Esau was coming, and with him were 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants, and he put the maidservants and their children in front, Leah and her children behind, and Rachel and Joseph last. Then he crossed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near his brother. So Jacob comes. It's morning time. Esau's coming with 400 men. He breaks them down. And now we know the pecking order of Jacob's family. The maidservants and their kids, then Leah and her kids, and then Rachel and Joseph. I mean, you can imagine this. Can you imagine this? The the favored wife and son are closest to Jacob. The last, if Esau's going to come down with vengeance, the last, the maidservants, you know, as we go into this brother's series, we see all the mess that goes on. You, you can imagine the environment that they grew up in to be able to foster the stuff that's going to go on. Because it's, it's all backwards. It's all a mess. So when Jacob comes over, he starts bowing seven times. Now, look at verse 4. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. And he lifted his eyes and saw the women and children and said, Who are these with you? So he said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the maidservants came near and they and their children, they bowed down. And Leah also came near and her children and they bowed down after Joseph and Rachel came near and they bowed down. Then Esau said, What do you mean by all this company with which I met? And he said, They are to find favor in the sight of my Lord. Jesus is 
In this story of Jacob, he wrestles with a man throughout the night. Pastor Daniel noted that sometimes in prayer, we have to wrestle with God. Like with children, you don't make everything easy on them or they won't learn. And things that are worked for are more valuable. We know that God doesn't need our money, but He uses our finances to help further His kingdom. We want to invite you to partner with us and help expand God's kingdom through Jesus is Real Radio. Your monthly or one-time gift will allow us to continue to grow our radio ministry in other parts of the world, sharing the life-changing experience of knowing that Jesus is real. Simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will take us through the reunion of Jacob and Esau. Although what transpired between them as young men was serious, enough for Jacob to flee, the two had both been blessed. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled Patriarchs. Until then, may God bless.